After offering up their ten dollars, the boys have dealt with Juice Bigelow, and now it's into the depths of hell with little Nicky. This is Truly Happily Madison. Hello! Welcome back! I can't believe you found us again! I can't believe they came back after listening to the last episode. Oh. <laughs> and went, yeah, we want more of that. We want more, we want... Well, you'll get more with Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo. Oh, shit, true. This is the same horse, but of a different colour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's just, let's say what this is. This is the Truly Happily Madison podcast. Yay! Yeah, that's right. This is the podcast all about Adam Sandler's production company, Happy Madison. Each week, uh, your hosts, Jack Gregson and Josh Pappenheim, discuss the entire filmography of Happy Madison Productions from 1999 to current day. You know what? Two episodes into this, I mean, like, at the beginning I was like, yeah, no, how hard could this be? Two episodes in, (laughs) it's already, I'm like, what the fuck have I done? Like, I'm fine with the Paul Blarts, the grown-ups, you know, those ones, but, you know, then films that are so bad that they're sort of works of art unto themselves. You're a latter-day Sandler fan. You like, I am. You like his more mature efforts. <laughs> his more mature efforts, like, yeah, like Grown Ups 2, or The Do-Over, or, um, Hubie or, that one that I, or Hubie Halloween, which I cannot wait to watch. Oh, no, which I have watched at the time that this has come out. Yeah, time um, travel. It's one time guy. travel. Interestingly enough... Uh, Time travel, not a topic that Adam Sandler seems to have tackled in any of his movies. Well, it depends what you count as time travel, because in my head, being able to stop time with a magical remote... Oh shit, I forgot about Click. (laughs) Feels like time travel. Nowadays everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips, just a bunch of gibberish, and people act like they forgot about Click. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um... Yeah, we'll we'll uh, come and get us on Patreon so that we can pay for the rights to use that song. <laughs> I think um, I changed be- the lyrics slightly enough that uh, just that enough, it yeah, it's unrecognizable, undetectable by yeah. any scheme. Uh, as I was <laughs> as I was saying, the films of this era are a real a real trouble zone <laughs> in my head. Before we get there. I'm Jack Gregson. Oh, yeah. That's Josh Pappenheim. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I was just so incensed by this film. <laughs> Your guides in, into hell, really. Literally for this episode. Because today, dear listeners, we're talking about the uh, 2000... I don't, I don't think I'd call it a classic, but the 2000 release, <laughs> Little Nicky. Little Nitchard. Nicky is short for Nitchard, isn't it? Is Well, apparently... The, uh, a nickname for the devil is Old Nick, which I hadn't heard before. I'd heard Old Scratch. I've never heard Old Scratch, but I've definitely heard Old Nick. Oh, weird. Oh, this must be a Barnes-Sussex thing. <laughs> Everyone in Barnes is like little... Oh, yeah, and Barnes, what did you say? Little Scratch? about Old Scratch. <laughs> old Scratch. And down in Sussex, we're always talking about Old, old Nick. I guess, um... I guess... Tom Waits' character in the Imaginarium of 
Dr. Parnassus is called Mr. Nick, and he's supposed to be the devil. Yeah. So that makes, that works it out. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. There we go. So that's the first time you'll ever hear Tom Waits and Little Nicky brought up in the same podcast. To be fair, if Tom Waits popped up in Little Nicky, I wouldn't be surprised. No, it's got a star-studded cast. It's also only a year after uh, Tom Waits appeared in Mystery Man. Oh shit, yeah. Oh, we've now come out of cinema's golden age, haven't we? And we're now in the bilge water of the early noughties. We're, we're delving into dark territory. Mm. Cinema has died, as it died in 1999 with the death of Stanley Kubrick, and has now been resurrected <laughs> in 2000 by Adam Richard Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, this week we are talking about Little Nicky. Um, Little Nicky. Josh, you you were going on about the hellscape that it was to. Well, like how 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 do you feel after after this one? Um, you know what? I feel quite drained. It was. I just had to let it go through me. This film, where at the beginning I was kind of like, oh, cool. You know, you don't have that many high concept Adam Sandler films. I mean, obviously you've got Click. Yeah, um, don't, don't forget about Click. You've got Click. Like some people do. Nowadays. <laughs> you got Click. you got, like, the do-over, which is kind of... Well, it's concept. It's got a concept. Bedtime or, stories. Pretty high concept. Bedtime stories. Pretty high concept. But, you know, this is like... The hot chick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a joke. Oh, no, I suppose it is, because it's all body-swappy. Yeah. Um, the house bunny. I don't know if that's that high concept. Uh, that's just a plot. <laughs> it's got a plot. I used but, to have you know. a. I used to have a media teacher who, when he was deemed with explaining to the class what a high concept movie is, mm. his only explanation he would just go Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, <laughs> twins, high concept. That, it's the perfect high concept movie. They're twins. They don't look like twins, but they're twins. <laughs> that was that was. It. I always just. And so anytime someone says high concept now, if it's not on the level of twins, don't buy it. <laughs> oh my god! Well, when you first said, you know, if he thinks twins is mind blowing, wait until he sees. I don't know, like Total Recall. But it's not high concept. It's it's a, it's just a concept. The high concept is. Getting two actors who look very different. Imagine how he felt when Stuck on You came out. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like twins, but one step further. Like two people who don't look very similar playing brothers, but this time they're connected. I was going to say maybe he, maybe it was a very funny joke or he was just fundamentally confused. And what he actually meant was a height concept. Because that's what twins is. I wouldn't be surprised if um, if my media studies teacher was confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that uh, so that's kind of how I felt about the film. Um, oh, and also to give context, I laughed one point five times. I'm counting what because one was like one was like a laugh and one was a snort that came out my nose. But it was more. It was like a. <laughs> it was that. You know, it wasn't a proper laugh. Anyway, how did you find this film? Um. So, uh, you hadn't seen this film before? I had, but years ago. Okay. And I remember really liking it. Yeah, this was kind of like a on a constant rotation on Young Jack's PlayStation 2. 
you know, um, <laughs> constantly spinning that disc. Did you see this at the cinema? No. So I very nearly did. Oh, really? Yeah. But how old would you have been? You were what, like 10? I would have been about 10, but we, we went to see something else instead. And Josh Pappenheim, tonight, I want you <laughs> to guess which film Jack saw instead of Little Nicky. <laughs> Christ, I don't know what came out in 2000. Come on down, Josh Pappenheim. We've got some clues for you. Oh, yay, oh. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm on the show. I love you, Jack Gregson. You're my favourite. I watch you at home. What are your clues? Do you want the director mm. of the film, mm. a cast member of the film, or the uh. general theme of the film? Oh, are there like points assigned? Like, because obviously, I feel like cast member is quite wide. Are you talking a principal cast member? Or are you talking like supporting, like a cameo? <laughs> That's something that you have to risk. Alright, let's go for cast member then. Cast member, Brendan Fraser! Oh fuck, what came out in 2000 with Brendan Fraser? Um... What Josh doesn't know is that the theme to this film is similar to the theme to Little Nicky. Oh, you didn't. I mean, no, to be fair, from what I remember, possibly good film. You went as all bedazzled. I went and saw Bedazzled. Yeah, I saw. I, <laughs> I saw Bedazzled instead oh. of Little Nicky. That was that was the choices we had. We had two hell themed comedies. <laughs> one was a remake, though, and I'm glad you went for that one. One did have its script credited towards uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Yeah, uh, that, it's got a much better pedigree. Directed by Harold Ramis. Oh wow! Didn't know that. That's quite exciting. As opposed to directed by Stephen Brill. <sighs> but anyway, once you... I know you said you, you had this on repeat, but do you have any strong memories of seeing Little Nicky when you were age-appropriate? Not really. <laughs> I remember seeing it. I remember it being a movie that I would watch. Um, I remember being surprised when I found out that it was the same guy from uh, Big Daddy. Oh, really? What, because he's doing a face and he has weird hair? He falls into this role, you know? He, uh... <laughs> it's hard to tell the difference between where, where the role starts and uh, Adam Sandler ends. Yeah, Meryl Streep, watch out. You've got <laughs> someone hot on your tail and it's little, it's little Nicky, it's, it's Adam little Sandler. Nick. It's little Nick. It's Adam Sandler doing a weird face and a stupid voice with greasy hair wearing a coat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... It must have also freaked you out, because Big Daddy's set in New York, and so's this. But they're yeah. different people. <laughs> they're different people. But, Josh, do you want to give us a uh, um, a plot synopsis? Yeah. So, I don't know if you've seen the HBO show Succession. Oh my god. One of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> no way! Is, it was is like this the what first thing I thought of. Based on... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Yeah, it's just impossible to watch that film, this but film, who, without who is thinking. Shiv? Which one is Shiv? Oh, I don't think Shiv is in. The, I was like straight away. Little Nicky is Roman. Um, no, physically, 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 physically. Arguably, I'd say like Nicky is closest to Shiv in a character sense. Do you think? Because I'd say, um, I'd say Adrian is Roman. Oh, really? Yeah. Actually, yeah, to be honest, yeah, Adrian Adrian is a total Rome. Total Romulus. 
um, in terms of action. We still haven't said what this film is about. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. So basically, there's uh, there's this place uh, below Earth called Hell, and Harvey Keitel is the devil, and uh, apparently the devil only reigns for around ten thousand years, um, as is tradition. And on the in the ten thousand year, tenth thousandth year, he decides a successor. He has three wonderful children. Um, Cassius, who is um, cruel and played by that guy from uh, The Dark Knight, who throws the electric bomb thing out of the out of the boat. He's Debo. There's, he's what? He's Debo from Friday. I haven't seen Friday. Josh, you ain't street. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so there's that guy. That's Cassius. There is uh, Adrian, who's um, the DV. He's like the trickster one. He, he's it's basically Reese fans is sort of uh doing Loki from the MCU by way rather, of Gary Oldman by way of Gary Oldman that's very good um and then you've got Nikki who's played by Adam Richard Sandler and he's just a nice sweet boy he just happens to be in hell he just happens to be the son of the devil but you know he's a sweet loving kind guy with a speech impediment and a wonky face because his brother Adrian smacks him in the face. Anyway, um, the you day spent comes. longer setting this up than, than the than the film itself does. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Anyway, the day comes where Harvey Keitel is going to name his successor, and the three um, Roy children are sitting in the demon room, and uh, Brian Cox, played by Harvey Keitel, decides that he's going to stay on instead of entrusting it to one of his idiot children. Uh, which Nicky's very happy about because he's a total daddy's boy. Um, at which point, Adrian and Cassius decide to go up to Earth and turn that into their own private hell. And in doing that, they freeze the fire magic that brings souls to hell. We'll get to this. I have more to say on that. <laughs> yeah, he uh, frees the fire magic that brings them to hell, meaning that no souls can come into hell meaning that the devil starts disintegrating. So Lil Nicky has to go up to Earth to capture them in a magical genie Karen... Uh, what do you call it? It's a whiskey flask. A magic genie whiskey flask. Um, while they're trying to cause havoc and, you know, corrupt everyone on Earth so that when they return to hell, they've got an army of souls that they can use to become king. And yeah, so it's really just about Lil Nicky getting up to Earth, working out that trains will kill you, and um... he's he's a fish out of water style character. He's like Prince Akeem. Is that coming to America? Yeah, coming to America. Oh, I haven't seen that. You ain't straight. <laughs> this is gonna be a running theme. I haven't seen anything. <laughs> <laughs> I only got Adam Sandler films. I thought you were cool, man. I know, so did I, but then I haven't seen Friday or Coming to America. <laughs> the two coolest movies ever made. The two coolest movies. And that's basically the story. Also, Patricia Arquette is there. There's some more homophobia and misogyny um, and vague racism. Uh, I hate to take another podcast's train, but we might have to put like a time limit on the plot description. No, I don't think we should. <laughs> I think we should go on. No, yeah, true. That wasn't very eloquent, but I hope it was entertaining in some way. No, no, <laughs> not succinct. So, uh, loads of other people show up. There's loads of cameos. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. Well, okay. Um, I, I just want to give you a little bit of background on the movie before we properly 
delve right in. Yeah, 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 go so, on. So, this was the first in a two-picture deal that Adam Sandler had signed with New Line Cinema. Mm. Uh, this was after the success, because so, he did The Wedding Singer for them, and The Waterboy came out the same year for Disney, and they were like, sign, sign us up. We, we want more Sandler. That's good. Anything anything you're shipping, we're buying. They paid him $20 million to be in this movie. You fucking what? $20 million? <laughs> $20 million. Jesus as well Christ. as $3 million for writing and producing. Wow. Wow. So he walked away doing some quick math off the top of my head with $23 million for this. For this. For little Nicky. Uh, Good God. Here's the issue, though. Because try as I might, I can't find out what the second film in the production deal was. There are two films he does at New Line after this, which are... Punch Drunk Love mm. and Mr. Deeds, but both of those are co-financed with Sony. Right. So maybe those, maybe they split them and got like one film out of two, essentially. Yeah, it could be. Um... It could be that, but well, the real reason I think you can't find that second film is because this movie is probably the biggest flop in Adam Sandler's career. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was just uh, perusing the Wikipedia and saw that budget versus box office uh, ratio. <laughs> so it's an $85 million film. It looks it, to be honest. Does it? I mean, I, I, in I, terms of it, it has big sets. I So I read a Variety article about it that compared it to Men in Black. Oh, wow. That's a stretch. <laughs> and... Um, not in a like in in quality, but like this is the what the studio was expecting from this movie. They expect New Line was expecting its own Men in Black. New, this was the film the New Line had bet its year on. Ooh. <laughs> that is very dangerous. So with eighty five million dollars spent on it, in return, domestically it made thirty nine million. Oh my god. <laughs> That's abysmal. Topping out at fifty-eight point three million uh, worldwide. Uh, so, why do you think that? Is? I mean, I mean, I know it's a bad film, but like, I wonder why. Because you know, I mean, well, to be honest, you nearly went and you went and saw Bedazzled instead. Well, this so. is something that else that I read is that a lot of people think Bedazzled stole this film's limelight. Really? Because it was a hell-based comedy. It was a bit more of a straightforward plot more traditional leading character mm. better movie not by much but a better movie <laughs> but enough and it had a sex appeal which is something that little nicky definitely does not have it's got patricia arquette patricia arquette wearing like a, a pink silk pajamas at one point is about as, as sexy as she gets in this movie um for 2000 standards yeah, no, that's very true. I don't actually know what um what rating this is. What certificate? I mean, if I was going to go see it when I was 10, it could only be a 12. Hmm. Let's very quickly Google. Yeah, 12. It yeah. was a 12. Makes sense. Good parents. There's only one F word in it, I believe. Yeah. Popeye's chicken is fucking awesome. Oh, yeah, true. Well, there's also Popeye's chicken is the shiznit. That's I not, guess. Uh, mm. I think you can have more. Like, shiznit is... 
a different thing. That's true. It's not quite swear, is it? Gibberish um, swear. It's interesting to look at this film because this is the first film of Happy Madison's interesting filmography, which stars their founder Adam Sandler. True. This is the first film he chooses to make after the three punch hits of The Wedding Singer, The Waterboy, and Big Daddy, all huge movies for the time, mm. as well as the success of uh, Deuce Bigelow and Male Gigolo. Yeah, massive success. Sandler is running on high. I can only imagine this was kind of a passion project for him. It feels like it, doesn't he it? He could choose to do anything. Well, what's interesting here is that it features characters from his standout or his his cds that he'd released oh really yeah which ones um two two of them i believe show up in this so you have at the beginning of the film which is where we should be starting (laughs) yeah uh john lovitz plays a character called the peeper uh who is a man who peeps in women's windows and watches them undress yeah i also like that as a reference to the wedding singer i don't think it is well, no, I, I mean, well, no, just because I have a very strong memory of In the Wedding Singer, John Lovett sings It's Ladies' Night. He does. And that's the song that's used as the theme for this guy. Interesting. So I see it as, like, slightly tied, maybe. So, interestingly enough, before, uh, I think in 1999 as well, uh, Happy Madison released an animated short adaptation of The Peeper to the internet. Oh, okay. Uh <laughs> very crudely flash animated it was described at the time as like the first online piece of content that a celebrity has made good god so he's responsible so, for funny or die he is responsible and it was just a sort of crude flash animation to the peepers audio uh sort of in the vein of south park i guess mm. and it the peeper is just again just a man who watches i don't really like the peeper as a an audio short not really it's not a great movie. character. No. It, again, it's, but it's Adam Sandler doing it, so he's doing a voice. Yeah, classic. In this, we have it played by John Lovitz, who's always doing a voice. <laughs> just do you just like it? John or do you love it? It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other character who pops up in this, who will pop up in another film that we have coming up this good year, Good Lord, is... Whitey, the referee. No, he doesn't come back. <laughs> Whitey, the referee, is a beloved Adam Sandler character, here played by Dana Carvey, in like his first role in years. Uh, Whitey is again just this weird referee who talks like this. Um, is that the whole base of the character? Does he do anything basically. else exciting, or is it just a referee with a funny voice? He's he's an oddball. He's an oddball. Okay. <laughs> Well, you'll get to know him more, Josh, when he is uh, essentially the second lead of uh, Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. You get to hear him sing. Good. I cannot wait. And you'll get to meet his sister, Eleanor, all voiced by Adam Sandler. Of course. (laughs) Of course. God, what a treasure. (laughs) Uh, so again, this builds into my idea that this must have been a passion project because he's bringing out his characters that we all know and love, and he's surrounding it with like a litany of famous people. Did you see who was supposed to play uh, the devil before Harvey Keitel took got took the role? Holy shit! No, I already thought that Harvey Keitel was like a big get. Who was originally Dustin Hoffman? No, 
Dustin Hoffman. Oh my god. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I can just imagine him doing Hook. That's all I can see. Or like a mixture of Hook and, um, you know, when he's playing an angel in Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like something in between that. I feel like Dustin Hoffman makes more sense as the father of Adam Sandler and the son of Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> That's true. Harvey Keitel is sort of, yeah, it's a weird curveball. Is Harvey Keitel Jewish? Um, uh, yeah, no, he is Jewish. He is I Jewish. I mean, what's what's the lineage of, of those kids? Because, you know, you've got Harvey Keitel fathering an English lad, a black guy, and Adam Sandler. And Adam Sandler, yeah. <laughs> no, well, I suppose we're led to believe that they all have different mothers that's true the mother's um, genes are very strong yeah that's true there's basically none of the dad in there <laughs> but oh well it's fine he's the devil he doesn't need you don't need to have it and plus they get the horns when they take over the when they take over the throne so that's all you that's need true. isn't it that's all that really identifies any son of the devil or daughter i'd like to see the i'd like to see the ghostbusters style remake of this little nikita yeah, that'd be, that'd be really good. Yeah, can we talk about the fucking cast of this film? Can, can we mention my favourite cast member? Rob Schneider playing the townie? No. Oh. Uh, one of my all-time favourite films came out in 2000, and one of the stars of that, who I really don't think I know from anything else, pops up in this movie, in a scene we've already talked about. The, the PP, I guess, the woman who's being peeped upon, is played by Laura Haring from Mulholland Drive. No! I was looking yeah. at her being like, oh, I really recognise her, but I can't tell from what. She's the... Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. What a year. <laughs> what a year for Laura Haring. Or Haring. Which, which film do you think she's proud of? Uh, Little Nicky. It's, it's so weird that she has, like, this... You know, this incredible role in Mulholland Drive. <laughs> and here she has one scene where she's hardly on camera because she's being viewed from a window. Yeah, it's just tits and stomach and then her son literally kills a man. <laughs> I did think about that. Like, he's he's murdered somebody. He's that done a murder. To, that's... If you know, you know what that film could go two ways. It could then be dealing with like the fallout of <laughs> this is basically if David Lynch was making it, it would deal with this woman whose son has murdered a man who is viewing her outside her window, and then she finds out that she's actually Naomi Watts, and Naomi Watts is actually her, and then uh, that would be a more interesting. Thing. <laughs> and then there's Eddie Griffin in whiteface behind a diner in, in LA. This is it. The more you watch these movies, the more you realise that Sandler is a huge lynch head. <laughs> it's gotta be. It's the only explanation. No, I would really, yeah, I would really like to. In fact, that was one of my first notes, is I do want to see the film that is just the kid dealing with the fallout of having killed that man. But yeah, what a car. I mean, I mean, we've already mentioned, but Patricia Arquette seems like a big get for this. But I guess maybe... Maybe maybe I'm viewing her whole career and I'm like, you know, boyhood, an absolute triumph, true romance. So she starts great. filming Boyhood about two years after this. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so weird to think about. Um, so, like, true romance was probably her big thing before this. Yeah, I mean, I was saying that and then I'm like, I literally can't think of any other Patricia Rockett films in between boyhood and true romance which i'm very aware is like 20 years 
there's a uh, little necky. Oh yeah, there's obviously little necky. That's the midpoint. She did Stigmata the year before this, which I've never seen, but I remember seeing adverts for on uh, Sky Box Office. And she also had Bringing Out the Dead the year before this. And Lost Highway two years, three years before this, another David Lynch character. Oh yeah, Lost Highway. Um, So you don't think she's doing a great job in this? I think, well, she has very little to do. The character, compared to actually to um, Kate from Deuce Bigelow, who I feel is given a few, like, giggles, mm. a few jokes in the script. Valerie Varan. Um, I don't know if you noticed that uh, Sandler likes to give his female leads uh, double V initials. Does he? Valerie Varan. Yeah. Veronica Vaughn in, um, I think it's, yeah, it's Billy Madison. And uh, Vicky Valancourt in The Waterboy. Oh. Weird, weird little running thing. I'd never picked up on that. That's very strange. Also, character was named after his sister, Valerie. That's Do nice. You know, a nice guy, keeps it in the family. It's a fitting tribute. Jackie shows up, obviously. <laughs> she does. She does. You can't. You can't have a. You can't do a movie without Jackie. Jackie's. <laughs> she makes the picture. But yes, yeah, so I, I don't think Patricia Arquette has anything to do in this movie. No, she is true. She has literally nothing. I mean, there's the big climax of this movie is watching a flask jump around <laughs> while Patricia Arquette is just going, "Get him, Nikki! Get him, Nikki!" It's a really rubbish role for any woman. Yeah. Patricia Arquette, I guess, does the best she can with it, but there really is nothing to do with it. I hope she got at least a decent paycheck. <laughs> I really do. I hope it paid for a house. I mean, Kaitel is an interesting... I I think he's actually... He gives quite a nice performance. He's doing... He's, he's working. He's working for he's it. He's having fun. He's clearly having fun as Devil Dad. Yeah. I think, well, obviously the one having the most fun is Reese fans. He is. He is definitely playing up like a sort of panto Gary Oldman performance. Yeah, it's it's incredible. His sort of, yeah, just arch camp amazingness. This is a year after... Um, Nothing Hill. Yeah, big year or a big 12-month stint. <laughs> it's a very different role from Nodding Hill. He's far more polished in this. I mean, I know obviously Notting Hill was... I say obviously, I, I just assumed it was that Notting Hill was like a big transatlantic smash. Yeah, it was a big hit. Is this like Reese fans' first, like, American film? I think so. I think they probably saw him in Notting Hill and was like, put him in this. Yeah. Do you think he delivered on that? <laughs> Do you think this led to anything else? Um, I mean, he was the baddie in The Amazing Spider-Man. They saw him be the baddie in this and were like, oh... Getting back as a baddie again. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yeah, he does have that baddie. And well, he's he's in. Well, no, he's Welsh, isn't he? Obviously. So I guess he's British, and that works for baddies. He does a very good job in this. I feel. I mean, he's fine. So just darting off the cast for a moment. I have a problem with the law of this movie. Oh yes, please. Yeah, let's get off the cast. Fuck the cast. I mean, we'll get back to the cast, because there's definitely more people to talk about. Mm. We're not forgetting uh, Tiny Zeus Lister, and we're not forgetting certain directors of popular movies who pop up in this film for some reason. Yep. <laughs> so, Nicky's brothers, played by Risa Farns and Tiny Lister, go, uh, decide they want to... Very quickly... Again, this is a movie that's opening sort of really rattles along quickly, given sort of, like, backstory, like, in a flash. Yeah. They decide they want to rule Earth and make a new hell up there. So they jump up to Earth, 
which causes the gates of hell to freeze? Yes. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Why is this the rule? <laughs> I guess it's because everyone knows that, you know, fire fire only works one way. Maybe it's to do with entropy. Maybe it's like, you know, you can only get toothpaste out of a toothpaste holder. But they can go... You can't put it these, back in. But they go out and can go back in. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's like if you were mortal or, you know, like a non-devil spawn if you jumped into the fire you just get pushed out but because they're devil people they can go through and the fire's never had that before and so it goes all cold or it turns to rock or whatever the fuck you, happens to you, it you've given more power to the fire than I, than I can understand like the power is i'm imagining the fire to be like calcifer from house moving castle i wish it was voiced by <laughs> with billy crystal yeah um... that'd be good yeah no that's madness yeah this is the First point of the movie where I was just like, "What's up with us? What's happening?" And it's then he's plot. and then the well, that's it. It's it's plot, but it's it's your plot has to make sense. Does it? No, I suppose that's true. <laughs> Even if it's fantastical, it has to make sense. And then there's an extra rule: is because they left together, the both Cassius and Adrian, Nikki's brothers, they have to come back together. He can't go and get one, bring him back, and then go and get the other one. No. They say they have to come back together, which is why he has to trap them in the flask together at the same time. Yeah. I guess that's just more plot. It's just more why plot. Why flask again? I don't know. But again, yeah, no, I understand. I understand it should make sense. It should at least attempt. <laughs> it should attempt to at least follow someone. Like, I feel like, again, a film that, get, that just came out the year before this. Did Adam Sandler watch Dogma and think... Well, if Kevin Smith can make this, <laughs> I can make this up. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, I can see that, actually. It's weird, because in Dogma, you kind of buy it. It all seems a little more, I don't know, it seems a little more believable, even with a giant shit demon. Yeah, true. Also, part of it feels like, I don't know, it's been a long time since i watched Dogma, but I feel like there's a lot more exposition delivered by yes. people that sort of justifies these things. Where they're like, you know, the people have to do this, otherwise dogs, cats, blah, blah. I can't even remember. I can't remember any of the speech. I think I just went into Ghostbusters. I think I just went into Ghostbusters. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, there's always someone who, like, there's one character in there. I I feel like Alan Rickman does it a little bit, where he kind of just, like, he's the exposition guy who's just like... Yeah, you have to do this because, you know, in scripture, this, blah, blah, blah. What did you think this was like this? It's a fairy story. Well, this film really doesn't care about exposition or, like... Because, it, it, again, I say, it's about six, seven minutes that they go to Earth. Like, Is it? Yeah, they, they race up there quite quickly. It's another short film, though. It is another short film. I mean, 90 minutes. But I... I don't know, like, I like movies about the devil. I always think the devil is a fun, like, character to put in your movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's always got something going on. True. And I like this idea of, like, dogmatic lore and stuff like that. And I just feel like if there was something a bit more like that in this movie, I would enjoy Like, I actually really like that Nikki is the son of an angel and the devil. Yeah, that's nice. Not that the film does much. It just, it gives it a sort of mythology Mm. that I enjoy. It gives it the old um, Constantine effect. Yeah. 
And it gives you a reason why Nicky is different and why he is sweet. It comes way too late in the movie. Yeah, it really does. Actually be important. Well, they have... Yeah, it, it's one of those things, again, that should have been maybe, like, seeded earlier. So there's kind of, like... I mean, there is a bit of a question about his parentage or his mother dumb. That's not a yeah. word. Because uh, there's the whole, like, they said I was born... I was a goat. Goat mum. And they're like, no, they're just kidding. Uh, it's uh, Blake Clark in there. Yeah. A regular Adam Sandler, Happy Madison show up. Yeah, I really recognise him. As the demon, Jimmy. Also the voice of Stinky Dog. Yeah, after uh, Jimmy the other Martin guy died. Away. Paul went out for a real one. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's. I think that's what I just wanted to bring up on the on the rules of this movie. Yeah. Did you notice the score at all? Um, I did. I did uh, not. Maybe not the score, but I noticed the non-diegetic soundtrack the score i just kept thinking was like this guy really wants to do a danny elfman score <laughs> it was very oh, much really? like oh no i do remember it being yeah it's that kind of like fucking not wacky but kind of like yeah i didn't like the score <laughs> just because it felt it the score is uh by uh teddy castellucci you know the castellucci um no, I don't. <laughs> What's Teddy Castellucci done? Teddy Castellucci? You don't know Teddy Castellucci? Teddy Castellucci, Josh, has won five BMI Film Music Awards. Oh, wow. Five. What for? How many have you won? Uh, Just two. Just two? Just two. I always forget about your wonderful work on uh, the <laughs> Spanish prisoner. <laughs> Thank you for remembering it now. Uh, what did he win for? I don't know what he won for, but I can tell you what he's worked on. Yeah, go on. He's worked on a few films I know you've seen. Because mm. he's worked on Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Oh, fuck's sake. He worked on The Wedding Singer. He worked on Big Daddy. Do you notice a theme? I do. He worked on The Animal, Mr. Deeds, Eight Crazy Nights, Anger Management, Fifty First Dates. These are all films we're going to be covering. <laughs> oh, my God. That's right. He is... He's a... Uh, he doesn't work with Sandler so much anymore. But at one time, and, they were um, inseparable. At one time, they were the best friends. Oh, that's sad that they're not anymore. I wonder what happened. He's been replaced by Rupert Gregson-Williams. No relation. Oh, that's sad. Otherwise, we could have got him on <laughs> to talk about <laughs> his music. I could tell if it was sad that he was replaced or sad that I wasn't related to him. But now I know it's not that I, I wasn't related to him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I didn't really notice the the score, but I did notice all the amazing early noughties, like Kerrang music. Like you got Linkin Park in there, you got POD. What were they called? Payment on Death. Is that it? The, like hype. Yeah, POD, the hyper, the hyper Christian new metal. They band. They come from the school of hard knocks. Me <laughs> too. Um, That's what I learned from this movie. Foo Fighters. You got a nice little Everlong in there. That's nice. Uh, at one point, um, not on the soundtrack, but in the movie, uh, Marilyn Manson was supposed to appear. Really? I can definitely yeah. see it. Is that where... No, it wouldn't have been... I don't think he would have been a replacement for Ozzy. No. Because it feels like they wrote that whole thing just for him. <laughs> Did you notice that Ozzy's got a weird voice when he's in this movie? Yes! 
Oh my god, yeah, I was so confused. Because we all know the Ozzy Osbourne voice. Yeah. It's like there's two of them in the room. <laughs> yeah, and he talks like weird and like proper. He's like, yes, yeah, yeah, him with this. Yeah, that's so strange. <laughs> Do you think... He says that. That's his one line. He turns up and, and it's not him. And it's the, one of the most famous things about Ozzy Osbourne is how he sounds, and yet they've got him. Yeah, hit him with this, as if he's like Dracula. Yeah, I reckon um, one of two things happened. Either they filmed it and he does the lines, and it's like unintelligible. <laughs> It's unintelligible, and they're like, Jesus Christ, we had no idea what... Because this is pre-Osborns, isn't it? Just. It's around the Or on time. the cusp. I believe it's a year before. Yeah, yeah. So people kind of like... I guess Ozzy Osbourne is still kind of that, like, sort of a figure of mystique and legend. This film introduced me to Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, really? No. <laughs> Chef Aid. Chef Aid? Yeah. Is that a South Park thing? Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's it the is. episode where all the musicians guest star to do a big benefit for Chef. Oh, Chef that's Aid. nice. Before they turn their backs on him because of Scientology. I think he turned their backs on. <laughs> well, yeah, true. Turned his back on them. Um, um, yeah, I think he was either unintelligible or, I mean, unintelligible slash, um, they were just like, we can't put this on a film because people aren't going to know. We're going to have to put fucking subtitles on this. Either that happened or Ozzy Osbourne just didn't learn the lines slash didn't didn't deliver the lines but you can see his mouth move yeah but does it match up <laughs> well i guess they can, they can make a dog's mouth move in this yeah that's very true they can make ozzy's mouth move uh um, yeah same process mr beefy mm. didn't like the character mr beefy no i hate it i hate him but i did find the effects very good on his mouth there's loads of weird effects in this film the best effect is mr beefy talking <laughs> Yeah, that's quite good. Although I thought what beat it was Mr. Beefy pissing. Whether you CGI piss. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, man, rewatch it. Because there's a scene where he rewatch pisses. It. Rewatch it. Rewatch I? it. He pisses on the carpet after, or on the rug, on the, on doormat. That's what it is, a doormat. After the guy from, um, that's Big right. Daddy tells him. Alan Covert. Yeah, tells him he's Get not allowed. Get used to his name. He's going to be, he, he leads one of the films. He has a whole film, about. doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, God. I can't wait. He pisses on the doormat and it's CGI piss and it's really weird. That was it. <laughs> what did you think? So we're on the effects now, I guess. What did you think of uh, uh, Spider Sandler? Horrible. <laughs> Just really horrible. Especially how all the faces are doing the same, like... Because <laughs> that's what spiders need to move. It's just weird mouth gurning. I liked that everybody in hell looked like they'd walked off the set of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, especially at the end when Adrian is like super devil and he's got the proper like vampire forehead thing. And he's got the like shit demons who all again look like Buffy villains. Yeah, true. Um, I enjoyed the tits head. Kevin Nealon. Yeah, Kevin Nealon's tit head. That had... I mean, I didn't enjoy it. I mean, the effects were all right. <laughs> they did... I really thought a man had breasts on his head. Uh, that was exciting. Well, that that brings me to probably my favourite part of the movie. Uh, is it Rod- Rodney Dangerfield? It is Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> Which part specifically? Just because him making his ex-wife jokes 
That was so weird. I was like, did they just tell him to just do a little stand-up spot? I mean, I'm sure this is straight out of his repertoire. Yeah. Uh, that was my favourite, just because just seeing Rodney Dangerfield do what he does best is always very enjoyable. I don't know if you're a big Dangerfield fan. Uh, not really. It just. I like him. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just boomer comedy, isn't it? It's just wife is bad comedy. <laughs> I, but he has an attitude to him that I, like... I don't think Caddyshack's an incredible movie, but I do always enjoy Dangerfield in Caddyshack. Mm. What's his line to the bad guy's wife? He's like, ooh, you must have been something before electricity. (laughs) One day I hope to get the context behind that line. (laughs) There's no real context to it. It's all in the delivery. I can't do it. I I, I don't think I can do a Dangerfield. Give it time, man. I mean, he was like 60. Hey, I don't get no respect. No respect at all. Uh, yeah, you must have been something before electricity. Oh. Hey, come on, everybody, we're gonna get laid. <laughs> you must like that Simpsons episode with Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, who's he playing the Simpsons? He's Mr. Burns's son. Oh no, I have definitely. I mean, obviously, I've seen the episode. I don't remember it. It's he's great because it's just again him doing Rodney Dangerfield stuff oh, and Homer reacting to it. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I thought all that sort of stuff was alright. All the bloat. I mean, oh, the 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 devil slowly losing limbs. Harvey Keitel slowly losing limbs um, effects are good up until it turns into CGI. Like, having the ear fall Is off. Is CGI? Oh, the ear fall No, like, there's things like the I finger. Was about to say, like, his legs missing is definitely CGI. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I think his finger might have been practical. And yeah. I think his ears... I think he actually broke his finger for the film. <laughs> well, he just broke it half off. He He's really committed to this film. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I heard that um, for his uh, spots in those direct line adverts, he took out insurance on all 762 of his cars. We know someone who's in an advert with him. We do. <laughs> we uh, do. We should have had him on to talk about... <laughs> um, his experience with Kaitel and if Kaitel talked about this movie at all. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. Shout out Alistair Cope. Oh, and also there's a bit at the end where, you know, Nikki's being all good and then they have, for some reason, CGI rabbits? They have a fake rabbit getting eaten as well. Yeah, they have fake rabbit and they have CGI rabbit. And I don't know why. I don't know why they didn't just have real rabbits. They could afford all the sets. They could afford... You know how they could afford all the sets? How? product placement baby oh i have a story about this oh it's not a good one (laughs) so listeners get back off the edges of your seats yeah basically so this film you think of one food product it's popeye's chicken and biscuits oh i was i wasn't what were you thinking of the bit where he takes coke into pepsi (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's like hey this coke tastes like pepsi i think the, Um, the the Popeyes stuff was too subtle for me to pick up on. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just have a keener eye. When does when does Popeyes show up in this movie? Hmm. When does Popeyes chicken show up in this movie? I'm assuming it's not Popeye the sailor. No, I mean, um, uh, Jack. I don't know how to break this to you, but it shows up literally every five to ten minutes. <laughs> it's and is a. Uh, Pretty intrinsic to the plot. Reference. <laughs> Off the reference. They even have a guy... I think Little Nicky turns a guy into a walking Popeye's bucket, which is quite horrifying. Because, <laughs> what, is that his flesh that you're consuming? Eating his innards. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when so when I was about 15, I'd say, 
um, I went on a school trip to Washington and New York. And um, Josh went to a rich people's school. <laughs> I went to a rich people's school, I did. Um, yeah, it was for po- politics stuff. So, like, Washington, we went around and saw all the politics shit, like Capitol Hill, blah, blah, blah. And in New York, I can't even remember what we really did, but I remember that we had a free day. We had... Do you want to know where I went when I was 15? Where did you go? Box Hill. <laughs> That's good. That's quite high. That's nearly like we going in a plane. Hill. Do they have a Times Square Sorry, there? Carry on. Uh, anyway, in New York, we had like four hours spare one afternoon where we didn't have anything planned. And me and a friend, we went, right, we've got... So you had free time. We didn't have free time. Right? Oh, that's so... sad. Well, yeah, we had free time as 15-year-olds to just wander around New York on our own. <laughs> and we went, oh, what should we do? Should we go and see, you know, the wonderful museum? We could go to the Museum of Modern Art. We could go to... I don't know, we could just wander around Greenwich Village, we could go up the the Empire State Building, we could um, wander illustriously through Central Park. No, what we did is we went and bought Popeye's Chicken and Biscuits because of Little Nicky, and then went and watched Doom in the cinema. (laughs) So, great days. And yeah, it was just all thanks to Little Nicky that for years I'd been like, all I want to do is try this Popeye's chicken and Popeye's biscuits. How can chicken go with biscuits? And then it's just fucking disgusting KFC with scones. And I never even say scones. It should be scones. So I will say, this film made me want Popeye's chicken. Oh yeah, big time. Because it just comes across like the most delicious shit ever. It looks great. They filmed <laughs> it very well. Can, can I... Uh... Well, this wasn't really a laugh, but something that did make me smile. Mm. There is a moment in the film where Nikki's stuff is stolen. Yes. By the actor John Witherspoon from Friday, which Josh hasn't seen. Yeah. Because he went to a rich people's school and isn't street. <laughs> uh, he, uh, all his stuff has been stolen and is being sold on the street by John Witherspoon. So the flask has been stolen, as well as a piece of chicken, which is on his table being sold. Is it? Oh my <laughs> god, I didn't notice that. <laughs> it's pretty... sitting next to just a piece of chicken, which Nicky had fallen asleep holding when his stuff gets stolen. You know what? If I had noticed that, instead of zoned out at that point, I would have laughed. So maybe this film is a 2.5 laughs. This is probably one of the better moments of the film. It's one, definitely one of the more subtle jokes. How many times did you laugh in this, by the way? I don't know if I did. Ooh. I don't know if I laughed. It might be because I've seen it before, so all the laughs had been sucked away. They've been depleted. You know what? You say that. I don't think I did properly like laugh out loud before. I think I sort of chuckled, maybe, or sort of went, huh. Like that. It wasn't ever... You know, the moment in Juice Bigelow where he turns and says, Dad, that was a proper, like, cackle. Whereas there was nothing approaching that in this. It's definitely not. not. So I I, I get the feeling that I liked this movie more than you. Yeah. Is it because you've seen the letterbox (laughs) score that I gave it? A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see what I gave? I did not. No. A whole one star higher than you. Oh, wow. But... Not because I think it's good. Right. I just found it very watchable. Yeah, I can see that. I found it lazy. Yeah. I found it... I didn't find it as offensive as I found Juice Bigelow. Um... I definitely don't think Nikki is a 
compelling lead character. We haven't actually talked about Sandler in this film, <laughs> which is a True. big part of it. We should talk about Sandler, the Sand, the Sandman. Yeah, I feel like we should prioritize that um, as a matter of course. Adam Sandler in this film, hmm, does he do a good performance? No. Does he do a likable performance? No. <laughs> do you feel compelled for the character? Occasionally. No. No, I, I actually... This is the reason I think this film flopped, is I don't think it people like it when Adam Sandler does a character. I think the only character movie he's done that's a success, outside of the Hotel Transylvania movies, mm. is Zohan. And that's riding off the heels of Borat. Yeah, very true. Would you not count like the Waterboy as a character? I guess, but the Waterboy still—I don't know—he feels. Yeah, I know what you mean. Waterboy sort of in there's like an area of effect of Adam Sandler, like the wedding singer is kind of Robbie Hart is kind of in that ballpark. But then again, I guess the other character I'm thinking of him is doing is playing Donny in That's My Boy, where he's kind of just a little bit waggy. <laughs> Um, I can't wait to watch that. I like That's My Boy. Mm. Yeah, I don't think anybody wanted to spend an hour and a half with Adam Chandler playing a show deranged. I really hate that. Yeah, the voice is really grating, and I like Adam Sandler doing a voice. It is literally the most annoying voice you could think of, and I think they could have fixed it, which is that you set that up for a while... And I think that one of the times that he gets killed, it sorts his face out and then he can talk normally and then you can play off like maybe he's got like a really incredible voice and that's like your third act or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, we, I mean, they tease it in the Where Are They Now? The second film in the Happy Madison That was one of my notes. That they, they <laughs> Why did they do that? To show you that the two metalheads died. <laughs> Yeah, I hate his voice, I hate the hair, I hate the costume, I hate that he wears, like, elf shoes at the beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, that's incredibly awful. As someone who wants to like Adam Sandler, this is the hardest I think you'll come to trying to like him. Really? (laughs) At least it's out. No, I don't think that's true, because you haven't seen Blended. That's true. I've only seen an hour of The Ridiculous Six. Because this is the... Yeah, so you haven't seen the later ones. Or you haven't seen many of the later ones. See, what I will say... Actually, what I will say for Adam Sandler at this point is he is trying. He's trying to do a character. You know, in... I know it's not Happy Madison, but, you know, in The Wedding Singer, he's trying to put heart in it. Like, he... Well, he's playing Robbie Hart. Yeah, very, very true. In all these early ones, there's some passion... Whereas what you get in the later ones, like Blended, is the ones where it's literally he just turns up. They don't even put him through wardrobe or makeup. They just stick him out there in whatever shit shirt he's turned up in. And he just mumbles his way through without ever really looking at his co-stars or anything. And he just he just does it. He's just there. And there's no passion and there's no love. And is that worse? Is that better? Who knows? He definitely cares about Nikki. Like, Nikki's a character he's clearly worked on and developed. It's just awful. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's it's funny comparing this so... An, a similar film... Well, not a similar in themes, but in the production being quite built up. It was the first film to pay an actor $20 million was The Cable Guy. Which really? was another big bomb for a comedy star. 
What, Jim Carrey was the first person to get $20 million? Jim Carrey was the first actor to get $20 million. Wow. And for the cable guy. <laughs> look at him, man. Look at, like, he had that 1994 run where it was The Mask, Ace Ventura, and Dumb and Dumber all in one year. Yeah. And that was his first year of being a movie star, basically. And they were all just huge successes, crowd pleasers. People kept wanting to see more of him. Twenty And... They gave it to him for the cable guy, which then people didn't want to go see. No, because it's a really weird film compared to the, the other ones. Guy. No, I mean I it's love great. The cable guy. It's really compared good. To, but compared to Carrie playing a weird character with a lisp, and compared to this character with a speech impediment, Sarma goes far too much in the wrong direction. Yeah, true. It's too. It's too quiet. That's one of the main issues I have with it. He's just too quiet. He's too slow and too passive and never sort of breaks out of that. Even when, even when he is more confident, he never, like his voice never goes above a certain decibel level. So it's hard to sell that sort of like passion. He's just like this weird one note character the entire way through. Vocally, at least. And one could argue physically, I guess. Yeah. Apart from he gets a white suit at the end. That's exciting. Do you think, and I had this thought while watching the movie, that this would have been a better cartoon? Ooh. Yeah, I can see that, because then you can have more Mickey's fun. kind of a Shrek character. Yeah. Yeah. You can make him sort of more grotesque. <laughs> more grotesque. And, like, the magic stuff and the devil possession stuff could be a lot more, like, weird and horrible. I've just remembered I do have a laugh in this movie. Do you? Go on. Yeah. I wonder if we share it. It's also kind of tinged with sadness. Oh, maybe not then. Go on. <laughs> well, my laugh is um, when Nicky decides he needs to die to go back to hell and um, the two metalheads try and kill him and they fail, which actually was a little bit funny. They just slam his head on the table <laughs> and he's just like, that didn't kill me, I just heard a little. Yeah, that was good. My, my favourite line is just Alan Covert saying, I've always wanted to kill somebody. Oh yeah, no, that was good. I think <laughs> that was then, one of my laughs. And then cutting to him just drowning Nicky, but then tinged with the sadness of Alan Covert yelling, Damn you, Kevin Spacey, you steal all my parts. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, no, that was weird to hear Kevin Spacey's name evoked <laughs> in a film. Um, but I guess, yeah. you know, this is what, like 20 years ago now? 20 years almost on the dot. Because it's uh, a November release. Yeah. Which is quite wow. amazing. 20 years of a little Nicky, guys. Um, yeah, I think, on reflection... No, that wasn't one of my laughs. I'll tell you what my big laugh was, just to get it out of the way. Um, it was, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Henry Winkler covered in bees. Yeah. That was it. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> but I guess it was that sort of like nervous laughter of like, it's a comedy. I haven't laughed. It's now 80 minutes into the film. It was just a ray of light of having Henry Winkler come out all smiling and then get covered in bees. That was it. <laughs> it's nice. It's sad. Like, yeah, I, I just find... For this $85 million movie, I find it quite underwhelming. It's... What? Even with Quentin Tarantino? Even with Clint Howard? Even with Rob Schneider coming back? Even with Ozzy Osbourne? Even with Regis? Rob Schneider and and Carl Weathers. And Carl Weathers. <laughs> tying this film into that soundless cinematic universe. Yeah. Along with the Peeper and Whitey. This is like... This is 
basically the Avengers endgame of the Solar Cinematic Universe. We've yeah, this is no the greatest idea. crossover event in history. I'm Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> this has the most bizarre cast. <laughs> it really does. I mean, yeah. What did you, how, how were you feeling about the Tarantino stuff? Um, at first I was like, is that Quentin Tarantino? Because I complete. I think the last time I saw this, I I will not have had any real knowledge Experience. of who Quentin Tarantino. Like I will have seen his films, but I wouldn't have been knowledgeable about who he was or like what he looked like or anything. Other than being like, is that that guy from Pulp Fiction? Um, yeah, very strange. But you know what? I think it's his best role. <laughs> I've written in my notes. Is this Tarantino's best? performance? <laughs> it really is. It's his best performance. <laughs> he commits. And, like, it doesn't feel out of place. Um, it only feels out of place when you look at it and go, that's Quentin Tarantino. He's shit. <laughs> Why is he in it? Why is he in it? What do they have on him? Interestingly, though, many, uh, many years later, Tarantino offers Sandler a role in, in Glorious Bastards. Oh, my God. As who? He was supposed to play the Eli Roth role. No. Yeah, he was the bad Jew. Oh my god, that's pretty I cool. think the role would have been bigger when Sandra was supposed to be in it. Really? But Eli Roth, like, fucking uh, smashes that role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eli Roth is is good in that movie. I would be interested to see what Sandler would have done. Can you imagine buff Sandler? <laughs> oh, that'd be incredible. I think he turned it down to do funny people instead. Yeah, fair enough. Let's say, well, I mean, I've seen Inglourious Bastards many more times than I've seen funny people. Not me. Similar run times, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to tell you how many times I saw funny people at cinemas. At the cinema? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that, too. But we're a long way <laughs> off that, because we're still in 2000, and funny people is what? 2009? Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> Nine um, okay, I'm just... I'm, I'm aware that we're sort of running through time. So, as as you do, as you do, as I did during this film, as it ran through me. Now we are running through you with this podcast. I think I'll just say, like, we clear we've been a bit all over the place on this one because mm. <laughs> I don't think there is a lot to talk about with this movie. It's I think it's an experiment that Sama tried with and failed. Yeah, it's a big swing uh, and a miss. It's a big swing and a miss. It's not a noble failure. Because <laughs> I don't think it's very good. I, uh, as I said earlier, I think it's quite lazy. Anytime they show you people doing what is considered bad, the way they represent it is people sort of wave their arms in the air. Oh my god, yeah. Sorry, I was going to talk about that. That every time, like, yeah, in that first sermon where um, Adrian's taken over the archbishop or whatever it is, and he's yeah. like, let's get ready to sin. And then all they do is they start dancing. <laughs> That's yeah. it. And like they point out that one guy had sex with <laughs> his friend's wife and the guy just sort of like raises his arms as if like yeah. Yeah, he starts whoop whooping. And then the same thing happens when the when the At the basketball game. Well yeah, there's that. And also there's the woman who there's the newsreader who is banging the oh, yeah. weather person and then And he and the weather guy does sort of like fist pumping arms. Yeah, I just don't get it. Like all these people, as soon as they're found out to be um unfaithful to their partners the first thing they do is they just like fist bump they don't like try and deny it they're just like yeah and what <laughs> really it, celebrate it, it. it just adds to the laziness of the movie the film can't be bothered to construct an interesting female lead it's it's weak 
It's sad. No, it's terrible. I did not yeah. like this movie, despite uh, its interesting cast. But I will say this: it was an engaging watch. Like I, mm. I, despite my problems with the law, the film goes at a pace that is followable. I didn't tune out with it like I did with Deuce Bigelow. Yeah, it looks better than Deuce Bigelow. It's made on a much larger budget. But... Yeah, <laughs> that's weird because I definitely tuned out of this one way more. Um, but I tell you what, the only things that brought me back were um, the occasional moments that it went into weird homophobia again. As, as you love. As seems to, well, no, as I like to keep a lookout for in Adam Sandler films, as I'm still trying to get a grasp of his soul and what he believes in. And so far, he really seems to think that homosexuality of any sort is a joke, um, whether it be not even uh, identifying as a gay man, where they just pick up on, what did you say the actor's name was? Alan um, you got to get used to Alan Covert. Get used to Alan Covert, get used to Jonathan Loughran, get used to Peter Dante, get used to Robert Smigel. These guys, they're going to keep popping up. No, I know they do, but I just know them as that guy. I know, like, I know the, the one that they say is gay in this is one of the couple in Big Daddy, and the guy with the amazing voice, the metal guy with the amazing voice is the other gay guy. They both have amazing voices. Yeah, but I just think the the metal guy has the better voice. No, 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 no. The, oh, both, both the metal, metal guys. guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's very true. One's got a voice like this, and one's got a voice like this. Yeah, I like that one. That's the good voice. <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's good weird Peter voice. Dante. Yeah, you got that, where at a certain point they just turn on him and start making gay jokes at him. That's very weird. Um, the constant threat of sexual violence throughout this film, when you're in hell, I find very weird. Where it's like Hitler's ultimate punch. Oh, it's hell. Hitler, yeah, but why go there? It's like, and it happens. The only two people you see in hell expressly for crimes that you know what they did are John Lovitz, and his whole thing is he's going to get <laughs> sexually, peep. yeah, as the peeper, he's going to be sexually assaulted by a bird. Which again, I'm not sure if you would count this, but I feel it counts towards Adam Sandler's aggressive animals. <laughs> that and he is attacked. Sandler is attacked by a polar bear. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Two. Two. Um, so and, two. And the other person you see in hell is Hitler, whose um, terrible punishment is A, he has to dress up like a French maid, um, because that's the most degrading thing that you could possibly think of. Dress up like a woman. and Or dress up like a subservient woman. And second, he gets <laughs> only pro by a pineapple. Yeah. There we go. Great. Two sexual violence things happening. In quick succession. Josh Pappenheim, it is time to play Rank the Animals That Attack <laughs> People in Happy Madison Movies. Oh, Come God. on down! I don't even remember. Do, 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 boom. Oh, I love this show. Jack, it's great to be back on here after being on here literally, what, an hour ago? I don't remember what that was for. This is yeah, a different it's, show. It's a different show. Um, Josh Pappenheim, mm. you have The Polar Bear from Little Nicky. Yeah. The giant bird from Little Nicky. Yeah. The angry goldfish from Deuce Bigelow, Male yeah. Gigolo. And the angry dog from Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Last week, you ranked the goldfish above the dog. Thank you for reminding me. Because <laughs> that's like, I don't even remember. Um, Josh Pappenheim, mm. rank those animals. You know what? Goldfish is still top. Goldfish is still top. Then I goldfish. think... Goldfish. Goldfish is top. Then I think it's dog. 
I think it's Juice, Juicy Dog. Because again, I just, I really like the idea that it's happened before and that the the woman hasn't had the dog put down. I like that. That's good. Put down! It's breaking, it's, it's breaking through doors, man. It's attacking people in the it. home. Yeah, I'd fucking kill it. I'd fucking put one in the brain of that disgusting dog. It's trying to kill oh people, man. God. Obviously. Um, fucking dark you deserve to go to hell in a maid uniform and have a pineapple shoved up your bum very nice thing to say to a Jew (laughs) so you have to go and do Hitler stuff Um, so yeah goldfish then dog then uh, you know what it's the bird isn't it the bird even though it's horrible the polar bear's only in one shot but yeah it's only in one shot and it's 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 a real animal that's acting in a normal way (laughs) Like if you go up to a polar bear, like the dog. No, but the no, but a dog shouldn't just start like biting through a door. I think this is Cujo. the thing. That's not a real I dog. Think I mentioned Cujo last you week. did last though. But no, I think I think what the it's another thing that goes through Adam Sandler films where it's it's people doing things that you don't expect. So it's the classic. Um, like last week, there's the there's the old woman in the line who's like, try and get laid on your own time, and it's like, oh, that's I can see why you think that's funny. It's because it's an old woman who society doesn't think of as sexual beings or as being open with their feelings, is being very open with their feelings of a sexual nature. Goldfish, you don't imagine them to be aggressive, and yet this one is highly aggressive. Dogs, you don't imagine them <laughs> to break through doors and try and kill people. But here's one doing that. Birds. You don't imagine them <laughs> trying to sexually assault people in hell. Here they are. Polar bears, I you do. do expect to try and kill people if they're in their patch. Josh Pappenheim, thank you for <laughs> rating the animals in Happy Madison movies. Uh, Come back next week with your views on animals in Joe Dirt. Oh, are there any? I hope so. I have no idea. I've never seen Joe Dirt. Oh, God, good. Um, and then we come to perhaps the worst the worst instance of what seems to be a litany of isms or ears phobias rather which is uh and you know what i'm gonna say here you know what character i'm talking about nope you don't clint howard oh no no i do (laughs) (laughs) clint howard so when he's going up to try and salvage his relationship with Patricia Arquette, he stop, he's going to, what, the School of Art or something, and he stops off by a random window. School of Design. School of Design. And who does he see in there? He sees Clint Howard dressed up in lingerie, dancing, and then that's the joke? And then he goes back or later, and then... Is that just the representation of that character? No, but it's played for laughs. That character called Nipples. It's... <laughs> Yeah, never. <laughs> How dare you assume that the character called Nipples was just put there for comedic effect? Yeah, um, Nipples is the beating heart and soul of this movie. Oh my god! Yeah, but then you have him. You come back later, and he's just putting wax on himself, and you're like, Jesus Christ, man! Yeah, why did you no, need to like, do this? These, this is it. This is something that we're going to come across again and again in these early movies. Is that their politics? are different from our own. <laughs> That's true. And to be honest, like, obviously we're not doing a study of all the films from this time because, you know, it would be interesting to see how many films from this time just really go hard on, like, homophobia or, like, specifically in this instance, like, cross-dressing or any form of kink because there's the him putting candle wax on his chest. 
And again, that being played for like, oh, what a weird guy. I can't remember if we've mentioned this before, but Big Daddy, a film we are not covering, yeah. uh, was nominated for a GLAAD award for Best Representation of Homosexuality in a Film for the characters played by Alan Cobra and Peter Dante. Really? So this is a very different time. Yeah. Where a film in which a gay couple played for laughs are nominated for Best Representation. Yeah, because the whole thing in that... It, the film didn't win, I'll tell you that. Well, no, obviously. But it's been a while since I watched it, but isn't the whole thing like, they kiss and then Adam Sandler's like, I'll never get used to that because it's just fucking weird yeah. or something. Wow, and yeah. that gets nominated. I think it's only nominated for just the sheer fact that it had a, a functioning gay couple. Jesus Christ. It's fucking wild. Um, Who were like successful lawyers, so... Also, Adam Sandler likes... Um, Throwing people in wheelchairs at a bus. Yeah, that was a weird one, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like Jesus Christ. Okay, that was um, that was unhappy. It was a very awkward, weird moment. Can you explain to me why they kept wearing silver foil on their feet? Because uh, their feet were so hot and they were burning things, weren't they? Is that what it was? Was that it? Well, because I swear there was a shot where it had some of their. But feet... Wasn't it that they were so cold? Oh, it could be. <laughs> Oh god! Well, I don't like, know. But I didn't understand it. Also, like, if you're why why just on your feet? Um, why just just wear shoes? I think because they burn through the sheet. I think I thought the thing was that because their internal temperature is so hot, because they're fire demons, the world outside seems cold to them, so they have to. Yeah. But yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense because then, yes, yeah, surely. There would be smoke coming out of them constantly. And it's not when it's not when they're in their own bodies. It's only when they're possessing. People. Oh yeah, true. I have no idea. It doesn't make sense. I guess it's just a handy way to to. I wonder if there's probably a scene on the cutting room floor. What explaining? I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't think so, man. I think they probably just thought, "How are we going to make it really clear to the audience that these people are the possessed ones?" Um, it's weird because uh, they show it to you. Loads. It's a shot of the mayor wearing these silver foil shoes and they show it to you as if to say huh well they've got a shot before of the archbishop who's got do they yeah yeah the archbishop wearing no he's not wearing foil but his feet are smoking why why is this this movie (laughs) i don't know all right should we go to Let's, let's, let's go to final ratings so how did you rate this film jack I gave this film a 2.5. 2.5, wow. So it's half a masterpiece. <laughs> when you put it I like that, I don't think it is a 2.5, man. <laughs> I will say this. While I think there are things I definitely don't like about it, again, I found it an engaging watch. I think it's appropriately well-directed. Mm. I think Stephen Brill does a fine job. So you... Not a Brill job... Mm. He's Stephen Fine. That's here. very good. So you're going, you're giving it a rating based on pure competency. <laughs> that it is, yes, that it is a film that was made well to a to an extent, regardless of the Thank content you. of it, whether it works as a comedy, whether anyone was likable in it. I mean, yeah, yeah, fair enough. I mean, Stephen Brill's just directed Best Picture winner Hubie Halloween. <laughs> future best picture winner he's a guy who works with Sandler in a way that I think works we'll we'll see it again in Mr. Deeds you also wrote all your favourite movies the Mighty Ducks like the why is it with the Mighty Ducks writers and Adam Sandler 
Was this a different guy from the last one? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, what <laughs> happened? The Mighty Ducks is just a is a gateway drug <laughs> to Adam Sandler. How has Joshua Jackson not shown up in uh, Adam Sandler? Holy shit, that would be phenomenal. Or Emilia Westerves. Or when they reboot the Mighty Ducks, Sandler is Coach Bombay. Oh my fucking god, I would watch the shit out of that. Obviously. Um, <laughs> really old Coach Bombay. Yeah, he's like a hundred. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, fair enough. You do you. Take your 2.5 stars. Like, it's... Uh, I I just... I didn't hate myself when watching it. I hate myself more now while talking about it. Mm. But again, the the rating was based on my viewing. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, whereas I had an opposite experience where I really hated myself while watching it. I mean, not in... This will become apparent, listeners, if you stick with us, is that what I love in films is it either has to be very, very good or it has to be very, very bad or it has to really try for something and fail, but in a way that is funny. I think this tried for something and it failed, but it did so in a really boring way. (laughs) In a really boring way. That's fair. Where, like, none of it's funny. None of the stuff that's played for laughs is funny, apart from Henry Winkler covered in bees, which, again, was a was a mad delirium laugh for me, I think, of just, like, having sat through 80 minutes of a comedy without cracking a smile. Um, yeah, no, I think this is abysmal. Um, and I'm... I'm doing my rating. I'm, I mean, I'm going to try and keep a ranking of all of them. I've got my letterbox list up already. Um, Good. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I I think our ratings already differ. So, because I would rank this above Deuce Bigelow. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm I'm the opposite. I found Deuce... Not by a lot. No, that's the thing. I mean, obviously, it's, it's first and last place at the moment because we've only done two films. <laughs> but, yeah, this... I, I'm not expecting Deuce to stay at the top for, for very long. <laughs> I don't know how long Nikki's going to stay at the top for me. No. Josh Pappenheim, <sighs> who is your MVP? Of Little Nicky. Mm, my MVP. Oh, God. It's Reese fans. Yeah. It's Reese fans. Because I think, you know, he's he's having a whale of a time. He's committing. You can see... What I love seeing in his performance is a vague feeling, or I would imagine hope on his part, that this is like a big, big breakout role. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This is him chewing scenery. This is, again, to go back to my Gary Oldman comparison, this is uh, Oldman in Air Force One style performance. Right. I haven't seen Air Force One. I have no idea what you're talking about. But... For fuck's sake. <laughs> but you yeah. ain't street, man. I'm not street. I haven't seen Air Force One. But yeah, um, it... Uh... Well, the kids on the street All were right. watching Air Force One, telling people to get off their planes. A different... A different... Um... A different example. It kind of feels like he's trying to go for Alan Rickman in Die Hard. Yeah, yeah, which is what Gary Oldman's trying to do in F. Oh, right, yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, he's trying to go for that big, bold, brash, um, like, I'm going to become a weird, fun character actor who can maybe also become a leading man at some point. I don't know. And it's just another swing and a miss because this film is garbage. <laughs> Who's your MVP, Jack? Um, my MVP is the double act of Jonathan Loughran and and Peter Dante. Nice. Despite their their homophobic material that comes out of literally nowhere, they just decide that one other guy is gay <laughs> and then rinse him. 
I mean, he fits into the homophobic stereotypes of the time. Well, he's vaguely balding and he's into acting. And he, yeah. And he likes musicals and stuff. Oh, God, it's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I thought these two had a nice energy... I kind of, similar to how I want uh, Deuce Bigelow to be about Anton, I'd rather this movie be from their perspective. Yeah, that'd be really good. I mean, I guess they're like the kind of the Jay and Silent Bob of the whole thing, but they just, they're, they're just quite fun. And the movie literally ends on them having a happy ending, being dead in hell. True. <laughs> and and that's, that's the, you know, the movie knows that... John and Peter are are the best part of this. They're the living heart of this film. Again, Peter Dante does have that really lovely voice that surprisingly suits a rocker. Yeah, I know. And thankfully, yeah, he's going to turn up way more. Way more and more and more. um, He kind of drops off a little bit. He comes back for Grown Ups (laughs) 2. Thank God. I think. Uh, I don't know which one you're talking about. Are you talking about the fun one who talks like a surfer or the gruff one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The one who talks like this. Yeah, 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 cool. Yeah, no, he shows up. Uh, yeah, it's... Those two are, are my are my faves. Who, who's your LVP? Patricia Arquette. No shadow of a doubt that she's one of my favourite actresses. Like, she's so capable of great comedy and, like, warmth and um, just being, like just being completely phenomenal and elevating material and this is just she's given so little that there's all she can elevate it to is just like shit (laughs) all she can do is turn shit into a slightly shinier shit you know um no i get that in fact i was very close to naming patricia arquette as my lvp as well also sorry very quick very quick (sighs) side side note they Use the script to to rag on her teeth. That's like the first thing yeah. they say to her is like, "Oh, get out of here, Snaggletooth!" It's like, leave her fucking alone. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's funny you mentioned that because my LVP is a trio of Stephen Brill, Adam Sandler, and Tim Hurley as the screenwriters of this movie. Oh yeah, no, fair, oh that's oh you're just every week I get <laughs> I get um bamboozled by you just you're gonna have to let me go first one way yeah because you just <laughs> your picks are so much better i'm just looking at the cast and you're looking you're looking at the what the bigger picture i feel like you don't think about this during the week like i do <laughs> <laughs> that's possibly true i need to get more when it's a film that i'm gonna really get into um it's gonna be my whole month of being i like, think joe dart I think you're going to be a big dirt head. <laughs> to be honest, I could be because I I you're only love boy. the trash, <laughs> like the pure trash. Um, no, yeah, I just think this film is more than anything let down. Like I, I was thinking for a bit that Sandler's performance, but at least he is doing a performance. But the film is let down more than anything by this screenplay. It's weak. It's lazy mm. it makes up its own law and doesn't back it up if you're gonna do a film like this you have to make it interesting in its story and it just doesn't get there no that's and, true yeah, so the the weakest part of this movie is the script for me um I ca- i'm just realizing i can't believe we basically not mentioned that reese witherspoon plays his mom oh yeah sorry movie. yeah reese witherspoon's in this film we should just quickly just double back on that plonk this in somewhere earlier <laughs> no i won't it's gonna end up here <laughs> Uh, Reese Witherspoon, like, this is a year after she did Election. 
Everyone like had a really good year before this. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's Y2K. It just wrecked people in ways that they you had no idea. They told you Cinema died in 1999, and this is what they had This left. is the afterbirth. Or yeah, the ghost. Uh, I mean, Rachel Swift is actually not bad in it. She's basically doing a, a pre-L Woods. Yeah, she's doing L Woods. L Woods. Or is, is this the same year? It must be the same year. Legally Blonde must be yeah. around now. I think it is the same year as this. Yeah, so she's just doing that, and that's good. <laughs> I would um, like more of that. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Uh, that Heaven scene is one of the better scenes in the movie. Mm. I like it when she... Oh, Legally Blonde is the next year. Yeah. Um, I like... Uh, I like it when she's trying to look at what's happening on Earth and it just brings up the TV show Felicity. Yeah, I don't get that reference which, at all. It's just a TV show and she's just asking him if he's watched it and he says, no, but I've heard good things. Which <laughs> I, just, I, I found that amusing. Not laugh Not out laugh. loud funny, but... <laughs> um, you know who else could have been an LVP for this movie? Who? Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, true. Yeah, he could have done just so much more if they just used his of voice. His weird voice. <laughs> yeah, hit him with this. <laughs> also, I can't not talk about this movie without one final reference to weird voices. Yeah. Um, when Patricia Arquette is disguised as an old homeless woman in the subway, and she's dubbed over with Adam Sandler going, Oh, you want to play with my flip-flop? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that was good. <laughs> That's a strange moment in this movie. Because <laughs> I genuinely thought, oh, that must be Adam Sandler disguised as an old homeless person. And yeah, then it same. cuts and it shows you that it's Patricia Arquette. And I'm like, well, that's, that's Adam Sandler's voice. I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, dressed as like a Skeksis or whatever they're called from Dark Crystal. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah, it's definitely a dark point in the history of Happy Madison, I think, this film. Yeah. But I feel it's got like a bit of a cult following now. I think some people remember it as a comedy classic. They would be wrong. <laughs> they would be very wrong. Oh, they would be, they would be wrong. It's also got a terrible title. Yeah, true. You don't know what this film's about. Little Nicky does nothing. At least Juice Bigelow, male prostitute, really sells it to you. That's <laughs> true. You know exactly what you're getting. What would you have called this film? It's like if they'd called it Deuce. Yeah. Little Nicky. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, devil Kid. Son of the Devil. Yeah, Son of the Devil. Devil Kid. Um, Speaking of original titles, I also found out recently what... Big Daddy was originally titled. Oh no, what was it? Guy Gets a Kid. Oh, that's quite good. That really describes exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. <laughs> it sounds like, uh, what was that show called? Or was it felt Mr. Mum? Mr. Mum, yeah. It's that kind of vibe, isn't it? It's like, oh my god, a man bringing up a child. Crazy. Guy um, Gets a Kid. Christ. Right, well... Well, Big Daddy is a much better title than Little Nicky. Um, yeah, it's, it's again, it's this film was doomed to fail from the beginning. Yeah, big time. Uh, shout out uh, to New well, Line Cinema talked... for rolling the dice on this one and fucking failing. <laughs> we've talked about this film for far longer than it needs to be talked yeah. about. Josh, where can people find you? Oh! Um, they can find me on the streets, or... Where I'm not very streetwise at all. <laughs> I just wander around falling into the road. Or in the sheets. Or in the sheets. Or you can find me on Twitter at P-A-P-S-B-Y. That's Papsby. P-A-P 
SBY. And where can they find you, Jacken? The streets, the sheets, or the tweets. Yeah, that's very good. Where can they find you, Jacken? You can find me at JFG in Digital 3D. And that's across all platforms, baby. That's good. Um, and you can find us both at TrueHapMad on Twitter, uh, where we'll be posting all sorts of fun Sandler facts. Whenever we remember to. <laughs> Whenever we remember them. Yeah. <laughs> also true. Right. Uh, but, uh, and you, or if you have any questions about uh, the world, the wacky world of Happy Madison, please email us at truehapmad at gmail.com. Yeah. Or, oh, oh and also, uh, leave us a review and uh, give us a rating wherever you're listening. Um, but only if it's good. Only if it's good. If it's bad, then keep it to yourself. Or Yeah, like the critics of Little Nicky would. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, this has been lovely, Jack. I'm very Josh, excited. Josh, what are we talking about next week? Uh, we're talking about the 2001 Denny Gordon classic, Joe Dirt. <laughs> Uh, the film I can we're finally we're finally getting the spade into that dirt, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna dig up that dirt. Still a much better title or much better poster. Spade Neither of us dirt. have seen this film. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I can't wait um, to find out what's gonna Josh hates David Spade. I kinda like David Spade, but I like an earlier period David Spade than this. Ah, oh, can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait to see what is happening with the dirt. Same. And then we get to do it all over again a few episodes later with Joe Dirt too. Oh god. Honestly, hashtag blessed. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Alright. I'm excited. <laughs> you sound beaten down into submission. Yeah, <laughs> yes, because I'm just facing a week of Joe Dirt being on my mind. But you never know, like you said, maybe I'll watch it like tomorrow or something and then that'll be my life now and I'll be a spade head. Who knows? I feel like that's an offensive term. No, it's probably fine. <laughs> anyway, goodbye. I love you all. Peace all right. out. As always. Wah, oh, horseshit. <laughs> oh, I love it every time. Bye. Bye.